Good morning. We've been trying to work out how to fit that into a, uh, this talk for, for a number of different weeks. And, uh, but I think it's, it, Lord's Prayer is all about communication. Um, but communication through relationship. We're not talking to a robot who can misunderstand us. We're talking to uh, an ever-present father who will un- always understand and always hear and, and always listen. So we're about halfway through the session, about uh, the, the weekend, about halfway through the Lord's Prayer, and finally we get to the good bit. We get to ask something for ourselves. We talked a little bit already about the kind of the order of the Lord's Prayer, and, and understandably, there is there is purpose in um, in the order. We need to go through awe and intimacy before we get to this point of supplication or asking for something for ourselves. So awe kind of sets the frame of reference. We're speaking to God, the all-powerful, fully in control. And then we went through intimacy, that part of the Lord's Prayer around intimacy. So that sets our relationship. He's our Father. He's wanting to see us succeed, desiring the best for us. And then finally, once the context is set and the relationship, we can come in the right frame of mind to supplication. It's just the action of asking or or begging for something earnestly or humbly. If we don't come through this order of prayer, if we don't uh, understand the awe and the intimacy first, then our supplications can potentially be something else entirely. I mean, how do we approach prayer? I guess there's a number of different ways. Do we approach prayer like a vending machine? Kind of waiting for the spiral to move around and hoping our chocolate bar is actually going to fall out before or just get jammed on the side. A purely kind of transactional relationship. I kind of I have money. I want I want something specifically, and I'm expecting it to be to, to to happen. There's no relationship. It's just a purely transactional piece. Or do we approach prayer a bit like a street beggar with our kind of hands out, kind of asking for very little and having almost no expectation that we're going to receive it? Do we approach prayer like a, a genie in a bottle, kind of rapidly kind of rubbing the bottle and, and the genie will, will appear and it will just give us whatever we want and whatever we ask for without any kind of uh, view of the consequence of what that might do to us? Or is our approach to prayer like a child asking a loving father, completely relationship-based, with a father seeking to grant, to grant what is best for us? I'll show you now a, chi- a clip from it's essentially a, a children's film. It's a l- long way from the manly kind of adventures of Gladiator, the Ma- Matrix or Mavericks that we've seen already this, uh, this weekend, but the point's very deliberate. So C.S. Lewis uses children to tell his kind of parabolic story about relationship with God. That same child-to-parent metaphor kind of comes throughout um, his stories. And So as you look at this clip, I want to... Uh, ask you to concentrate on a couple of things. One, look at the simplicity of the relationship between the children and Aslan, Aslan who is representing God throughout this series. And also pay specific attention to the conversation between Aslan and Prince Caspian. Please 
excuse the extravagance of that last few minutes around a repeat sheet, but I particularly like that character in the film. Um, I want to concentrate really on Caspian's uh, relationship to Aslan. It shows us two ways in which we should approach our supplication to God. So overall, that parable of Narnia shows us how, how Aslan, the picture of God, has the most effective relationship with the children whose hearts are open to him and willing to receive him for who he is and accept him without complication or question. But then the specific illustration of Caspian shows us how God needs us to come to him humbly, without self-confidence, and fully dependent on him. Caspian says, I do not think I'm ready. And Aslan replies, it is because of that that you are ready. It's obviously very obvious that God doesn't desire a prayer relationship with us like a vending machine or a street beggar or a genie in the lamp. He wants us to approach him as a son to a father. Rich mentioned in his first talk the relationship with with his children and how they can kind of just ask him unconditionally for the most ridiculous of things. I have a similar experience. Uh, My my son Jacob is... um, from the moment he gets up in the morning, just wants my attention. He, uh, he, he wakes up and comes in and wakes me up, and he's just wanting to do stuff with me from the moment he wakes up through, through the rest of the day. I recently, um, uh, over the summer, we, uh, we walked up Snowdon together. We, we tried it in February and not quite got to the top, so he was desperate to come back and do it again in, in the better weather. So we had about six hours walking together, and he just talked nonstop. He literally did not stop for six hours. He just wants my attention, and it's and I love it. I mean, I'm obviously slightly a broken person. Occasionally, it'll uh, I'll need a little bit of space, but it's just so fantastic that he just wants to spend his time with me. He just wants to ask me questions. He just wants to tell me things. But also, he has a simplicity of prayer. He's, he's great. He's only seven, and he's not encumbered with all the. Uh, uh, the difficulties and problems of life. I, uh, I've been explaining to a, to, to a few of you, he's been going through a bit of a difficult situation over the last couple of weeks. Um, he, at school, he, he'd been convinced, in fact, most of his class were convinced by a few of the boys that the toilets were haunted. Uh, and he convinced himself that all sorts of monsters were going to jump out from behind the doors every time he went in there, and he was completely paralysed and afraid to go in there on his own. And uh, whilst kind of, I guess the teacher dealt with it, and most of it, most most people kind of got over it within a day or so. He just he's, he's been continuing to worry about it for the last couple of weeks. And we obviously prayed a little bit about it with him and tried to uh, tr- tried to comfort him. But um, uh, in the end, I was uh, with him in a swimming lesson on Tuesday, and he kind of he came out of the water early, saying complaining of a sore stomach, and I kind of recognize that that's, uh, that's generally not a sign that he, of illness. It's a sign of the fact he's been worrying about something and it's, uh, and it's causing, him, causing him pain. And I was like, what's, what's, what's worrying you, Jacob? And he's like, I can't go into the toilet, Daddy. I can't go into the toilet. So we went home that evening and uh, we sat down properly and we, me and Jen, we, we, we prayed with him and prayed with him about it. And then as he was going to bed and uh, we were reading his stories and got about to do his prayers, and he said, Daddy, I want to pray tonight. And uh, he just repeated the prayers that we'd, we'd repeated with him earlier and, uh, and prayed that God would take that worry and fear away from him. 
and uh, he came back from school on Wednesday saying, Daddy, Daddy, I've been to the toilet ten times today. So, I think that might be an indication of another problem, but one I'm <laughs> more happy to, uh, to deal with. That kind of simplicity of expectation and prayer is fantastic in children. And we can just, it's such a privilege to be able to see that and see how um, children are just, my ch- as children, they're just wanting to just go and ask their, their parents for something. And how much more does our Father in heaven just wants to just have that relationship with us? He just wants us talking to him. He wants to be in relationship with us. And he wants us to be able to come to him and ask for whatever we need. Well, I guess we have to also kind of look at this time, kind of the complexities of answers to prayer as well. So does that difficult question is does God really answer prayer? Sometimes, occasionally, when he feels like it. I think my perspective again, looking at it from the in the mindset of a father and a son is that he always answers our prayers. In Luke's gospel immediately after um, the Lord's Prayer we read this passage in Luke eleven nine. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will knock. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, will he not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then been evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give this Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think there are two clear messages in this passage. Firstly, it's one of ask and you'll be given. And secondly, you'll only be given what is good for you. We're talking, mentioned earlier about that description of a genie in the bottle. A genie just answers absolutely everything that is, a, is asked of him. He will give it to you regardless of uh, um, whether it is good for you or not. But God answers our requests as a father answers a child. Not necessarily hearing the specific words of the request, but really the heart behind it. He answers the longing that prompted the request in the first place. He's not a vending machine or a genie. He knows our hearts and he wants that relationship with us. He wants that conversation. So he will grant what we need. Not often in the time scale that we're expecting. And eventually we'll understand the response that we've been given. If prayer is intended to be a conversation, how does that happen without a permanent, audible voice of God? We can listen to God in many ways, and John was mentioning a number of them in his talk yesterday. We can hear him in the wind, in the beauty of the countryside. The most direct and reliable way of listening to God is through Scripture, through his word. As we spend time listening to God through his word, our prayer will become a response to what we hear. As a child learns to talk by responding to the voices around them, 
We learn to pray by responding to God's voice through his word. And you'll generally find that your prayer life will be, the effectiveness of your prayer life will be in, a pro, in, in proportion to the amount of time that you are spending listening to God. And whilst every prayer does not need to be a direct response to his word, you do not need to kind of have the Bible in front of you before you uh, can utter any amount of prayer. Kind of, our spirit kind of acts as like a sponge. We need to keep that sponge full, full of listening to him, full of the words of Scripture. We need that regular immersion in order that we can be responding to him through prayer. Because otherwise, as our spirit becomes dry, so our prayer conversation with him will become difficult. As I was preparing for this talk uh, a number of months ago, my prayer life was not in the most spectacularly good place. Um, so it struck me, therefore, as an opportunity to do a small experiment, because I'm an engineer and a scientist by heart, so I thought I, it gave me an opportunity to do an experiment. My, I, I'd got out of the habit of regular Bible reading, and as such, my, uh, it was having significant consequences on, my, on, on, on the richness of my prayer life. So I decided that what I would do is I would spend a few weeks trying to um, read the Bible on a regular occasion and, 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 and be more disciplined in the way I do that and see what impact it had on my prayer life. And the correlation between the two just shocked me much more than I ever, ever, ever expected. It took a couple of days. Um, I spent some time just using some, um, some Bible notes that Dave sends me um, every few months, and I, uh, and, and I did that, and, uh, and so I spent a couple of days, and two or three days, and I, and I was not kind of, um, uh, sorry, two or three days of reading the Bible, I wasn't seeing a significant impact or change on my, um, on my prayer life, but after three or four days, I was suddenly kind of exposed to a richness in prayer that wasn't there um, earlier on in the week. And as I moved through to the end of the week, that was, that was growing and building with me. And then I got to the weekend, and, and weekends are dreadful for me because my routine is just completely upset. And, uh, and, I, and I stopped, and I, and I missed my Bible readings. And, uh, and by Monday morning, I could see that kind of the effectiveness of my prayer life had drifted back down to what it was um, earlier on in the previous week, and that richness and that... Uh, um, that, that greater degree of relationship just wasn't there anymore. And as I moved through the week um, with, the, with the nice rhythm of my work life being able to, to give me the habit and, uh, and pattern of reading the Bible again, I was able to see that move and accelerate and change. I knew, kind of, I guess I knew it in my kind of head, but I, I hadn't really kind of expected quite such a, uh, an obvious and direct correlation, but it makes sense, doesn't it? If our prayer life is only one of us talking, that's not, a, that's not a conversation or a relationship. We need to be listening to God. And in order to be able to be uh, fully enveloped in the richness of everything that God wants, we, um, we, need to, we need to be hearing and we need to be listening. And yes, yes, take every opportunity for all the opportunities that God gives us to be able to listen to him through all of his creation and and other opportunities, but scripture, 
is the most solid foundation where you will always hear him, where you will always be able to listen to what he is saying to you. Second film I want to show you is a film called About Time. This film revolves uh, um, around the relationship between a father and son. You may not be surprised um, to hear. This uh, relationship, though, has a slightly different dynamic. Um, because partway through the film, earlier on in the film, it, was, it is revealed uh, to the son by the father that they both possess a special power, uh, the ability to be able to travel back in time. And the narrative of the film explains how the son learns to use this special power, and, and over time, um, the father reveals how to use this to the best effect. So we're going to first see the trailer of this, and the, you'll see how the gift is uh, introduced by the father to the son, and uh, we'll see some examples as to how the son initially uses um, that gift. Matt. Uh, made a small warning at the beginning on uh, on Thursday about uh, the possibility that there might be some topics or language within some of these film clips that you might not be expecting to hear in a church service. I feel the necessity to repeat that warning. Um, I hope it doesn't offend. If it does, please try not to be too distracted by it. Me. Um, it struck me specifically the parallels between the father-son relationship in the film um, and the way that they use the power of uh, time travel and the, the kind of relationship that God desires with us through the power of prayer. Because as the son is initially exposed to his new power, he uses it kind of almost in the form of a vending machine or a or a genie to get an instant fix to the problem, to kind of re repeat the mistakes that he's making in his life, to improve his sexual prowess, to, uh, to just get what he's looking for and get what he's wanting. But ultimately, he, dis he discovers, or he is taught by his father, that the true power is in the use of the power on a daily basis. Not to significantly change the course of events, but to learn to understand and appreciate the context of the events that have been given to him. It's similar to what God wants for us in prayer, and that the important piece about this, the important word about uh, uh, in this in this sentence of the Lord's Prayer, I don't think is the give; it's actually the daily. God wants a daily cadence or frequency um, of relationship with us. He wants to use that power of prayer on a on a daily basis in order that He can bring His light and his understanding to every aspect of his life to really reveal the trueness and the fullness of everything that is there and everything that is in our daily lives. The physics will tell us that all objects have a natural frequency. If you impart kind of tiny amounts of energy in the correct frequency, you can kind of Im, uh, excite a significant reaction um, you can see it when you're pushing a child on a swing. You kind of a small kind of push, but you're doing it in exactly the right rhythm, and you you can suddenly get them to to take off very easily. Or or by strumming a guitar, it's uh, you you give it an excitement, and it uh, and, and it gives you um, the same frequency of vibration which uh, responds to a note. And our prayer life has its own natural frequency as well, a natural frequency that God wants for us. And that natural frequency is very short. A 
God is desiring a relationship with us through prayer. And relationships require daily attention. He wants a daily conversation with us in order that he can illuminate our day. He can reveal his place and purpose in all that we do and give greater understanding of the work of his kingdom here on earth. The greatest adventure or journey, I think, in, uh, possibly in the Bible, is the, um, the journey of the Hebrews out of uh, Egypt uh, and, and into the promised land. And throughout this journey, God is teaching the nation various lessons as to how he wants to relate to them. And one of these lessons is the provision of food. He gives them manna. And initially they all try to store up this manna and collect as much as they can for it in order that they can have reserves of it for many days. And what they find when they come in the morning that it is all rotten and wasted and they have to go and recollect it again. The lesson he's trying to teach the nation of Israel there is, is, is a reliance on him on a daily basis. And God wants that reliance with us on a daily basis. He wants that frequency of prayer and frequency of relationship with us on a daily basis in order that he can be imparting himself to us. My prayer life generally kind of follows a similar pattern, and I kind of explained some of this last night. Kind of a, an element of complacency, an element of busyness, will generally ebb away at the consistency of my prayer life until uh, it starts to have a significant effect on my ability to be able to deal with life. And then I maybe will hit a bit of a tipping point. I will spiral downwards until I kind of hit rock bottom and realize that I can't cope unless I reorientate and re prioritize the, uh, the prayer and the relationship with God in my life. I'll then accelerate upwards and uh, my, my relationship and my prayer life will, will, will uh, move to where God wants it to very quickly until I get to a place of kind of balance and kind of equilibrium again and then kind of my complacency kicks in and I feel as if I can do it by myself again. This is precisely the opposite type of relationship that God wants from me. It's a, it's a reactional relationship. Typical maybe of, a, maybe of a stroppy teenager as opposed to a young child. Uh, I guess I'm desperately trying to be independent of, um, in my life, in my prayer life, in areas that I'm not really able to cope with. And I find myself repeatedly falling over and, and needing to come and return to him. And God, the loving father, will always accept us back. As the prodigal son was, had his return celebrated, but that's not the inheritance that God's planned for us. He has an inheritance for us. He has a, a, a desire for relationship with me that's, whilst it's not, absent of that ebb and flow of life's difficulties, but he wants to face them together. He wants me to be able to have conversation with him, to be able to use his, uh, that relationship and that wisdom coming from him on a daily basis to be able to ride through those storms without sinking or capsizing, but instead learning and maturing together. So 
I want to complete this session by just looking at hindrances that we have to prayer. And what's stopping it? What, does, what gets in the way? Why do we not have those conversational relationships with God that he wants? And what can we do to uh, kind of remove the barriers that are in place for that? So, In my industry, we have a, a model called the Swiss cheese model, which is... Um, it's a concept that there are a number of barriers that you can put in place between a, uh, a hazard and an incident in order to stop it from happening. But each of those barriers is like a piece of Swiss cheese, so they're kind of partly permeable. So you can put a barrier in place between this hazard and, uh, and the incidents to try and stop it from happening, but uh, each of those barriers can... Um, uh, yeah, can, can let that through. And what you need to do is put enough barriers in place until none of those bits of the Swiss cheese line up and you can kind of stop this hazard to become an incident. So, for example, I guess, uh, I'll give you a simple piece. So if there was a hole just outside, um, on the steps out, uh, outside the door, if I wanted to stop, that's a hazard, if I wanted to stop you falling down that hole, I guess I could just tell you that it was there and that would stop a lot of you from falling down the hole. Uh, but not everybody. Um, uh, I could put a sign in front of it, and that would that would be an additional barrier, and would be maybe slightly more effective. I could put a barrier around it and, and physically barrier it off, and that would be uh, uh, effective as well. It would be another barrier in place. Or I could plate the whole thing over, and that would probably be the most effective barrier that I'd have in place. None of them were none of them are imper permeable. Each of them. Uh, each of these barriers can allow um, the incident to still happen, but if you put enough barriers in place, you can um, it can eliminate that uh, uh, that incident from happening. Um, and our relationship with God is almost like that model in reverse. So we can um, put barriers in place between us and between God. Um, and to hinder our relationship, and none of those barriers on that, none of those individual barriers on their own will actually stop our relationship with God. Um, some of them will be very permeable and allow uh, and allow it um, the the relationship to be able to function. But if you put enough of those barriers in place, eventually you will completely block and stop that relationship from being able to happen. Sin is obviously a particularly effective barrier, much more effective than other barriers, but not all potential barriers are sinful. And the difficulty with these barriers is that each one on its own will not have an absolute effect on our relationship. It's not a kind of a, a uniform kind of um, um, binary piece that if I start doing this, I have no relationship with God and I take it away and I do. Because... Um, all they're doing is, is just making it slightly more difficult, putting something in the way. I can kind of excuse each one of them on their own. I can kind of allow them to, be, to build up in my life because each one of these barriers is not on its own particularly um, disruptive to, uh, to my relationship with God. But over time, they can build up and build up and build up until they can just have a completely suffocating um, effect on our relationship with God. I want to hand over to Tom now, and he's going to just give us a, a testimony of how those barriers were effective in his life. Yeah. Oh, there goes. Um, yeah, I guess I was asked to share sort of some areas and some points in my life that 
um, particularly affected my walk with the Father, the walk with um, uh, and my faith and how that affected it. And, and one of the barriers was um, that really made a very big difference was sort of kind of through uni, um, it was quite simple, I just started a relationship with a girl, which uh, is on, on the face of it probably good news. Um, and, and, you know, but actually, um, you know, that was a barrier because um, on, you know, sort of reflecting on that and looking back in part, it wasn't the right relationship with the right girl, gone about it with a humble heart and seeking God's face and anything like that. It was just a case of, you know, trying to get like vending machine style. I want uh, a girlfriend, so... I went and got a girlfriend. It was, you know, it was kind of that. That's basically the way it happened. And and what happened in time, and it took about a year and a half. I remember I walked, um, I started to ask the question, like, oh, you know, I'm sort of, I was still a Christian. And, you know, there was kind of this slightly growing elephant in the room, actually, in my life, in my faith, in my walk. Um, and I remember just once asking sort of my, my dad, who I was quite close to, I remember it was like, dad, you know, how did you, you and mum, how, how did you know? He sort of looked me, looked at me like I'd asked the most stupid question. I was like, well, "All right, fine." And then I asked my granddad. I was like, "Oh, grandpa, you know, you grand, like, how do you know?" And he just like looked at me like that was just such a stupid question. I was like, "Why is it such a stupid question? Why, why is no one answering this question?" That I, to me sounds a simple one. I could do with some help. I'm asking people I love and people I know just to give me an answer. And I just wasn't getting anything in the background the relationship was just getting more and more frustrating and and it it seemed more like ball and chain you know than glorious mystery that this relationships we're supposed to have that god designed that we're supposed to have and uh, anyway so i broke up uh with uh, with this girl and um and i realized that actually you know it was my you know it was initially like a battle of wills you know i wanted a girlfriend so i got one but ultimately my god uh, my will and God's will, it just wasn't working out, you know, and it was affecting my prayer life, you know, and a relationship with not the right girl led to sex before marriage, you know, and that was another barrier, you know, church was kind of awkward, so sometimes, you know, I wouldn't go, or oh, I'd go on my own, you know, another barrier, another barrier, and this uh, sort of accumulating effect put, had a, a growing effect with me and, and, the, and the Lord, and and when we broke up, I genuinely felt like a huge weight had just dropped off my shoulders. Like I was free. My prayer life went, you know, through the roof. Like the Bible seemed to make sense. You know, I felt like God was speaking to me in HD. And I was like, this is incredible. And I was putting God first for the first time in two years. I wasn't putting my will first. I was putting God's will first. Now, you know, you think, oh, that's, you know, obviously that was, that was brilliant. And that was wonderful. But actually... God knew that a storm was coming, um, and within sort of a couple of months, my mum was diagnosed with cancer, and she was gone uh, less than a year and a half later. And I had to, my prayer life was became instead of sort of like a, a great hobby and a pastime and something that really added to my life, sort of became a heartbeat really because I had to keep my dad going, you know, like. Um, I had to keep my brother going and my sister going as sort of the world that we knew was sort of falling around. And actually something, you know, sort of losing that dead weight, you know, 
initially just seemed like a great thing and, you know, aren't I great and all that, but actually God knew that that was going to be essential, that I had that conversation, I had that prayer life. You know, when things didn't make sense, I offered it to him and I was giving him, you know, I was relying on him for my daily bread. You know, I'd sometimes walk down the stairs thinking, like, what am I going to say to my dad? What am I going to say to my sister on the phone? You know, how am I going to get my brother to open his mouth and talk? You know, he's just, you know, he's just shut up. So, um, yeah, so that was just an area particularly where um, uh, removing those barriers was essential for my life, but it was also essential for what was to come. And what was what God was going to ask of me, and what I was going to need to ask of God. So, yeah. Thanks, Tom. I I talked uh, uh, yesterday evening about how my self-reliance is one of the most significant barriers that I put in uh, in place of my relationship with God, but also the little things can also really build up. I kind of, um, the current kind of, I guess, fad in my, in, my, in my life at the moment, I've suddenly got in, interested in into cycling, and there's a YouTube channel called GCN, which I find absolutely fascinating. It, they produce a video almost, almost every day, just uh, anything from 20 minutes to, or five to about 20 minutes. There is absolutely nothing sinful at all about watching GCN. <laughs> But what I've found is it's much easier for me to get my iPad out and watch GCN when I go to bed as opposed to picking up my Bible and reading that or picking up a book, uh, a spiritual book and reading that. And uh, GCN, uh, as innocuous as that, can, can therefore start to become a barrier in my life and a barrier to my relationship with my life. It's just an extra one of those steps, just an extra thing that goes in and can... And can uh, and can, and can get, and as, and as you build those things up, can just put yourself between yourself and God. It's not just those big things um, which can get in there, but also the small things as well. I'm going to pray in a minute, and, um, and then we're going to have our discipline of silence for half an hour, as Rich mentioned previously. And we've got, um, there's some questions in your books which to, to, to look at in there, which are going to talk about... Um, how you approach your prayer and the cadency and the frequency of your prayer life and the barriers that you currently have in place of your relationship with God. God wants to create a dependent relationship with us. He wants that daily conversation in order that we can be fully dependent on him. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are always there. You are a father who is always there and listening to us. You always want that conversation with us. And you will you are always accessible to us at all times. Well, Lord, I just pray that you will identify in our hearts the barriers and the things that we put in place of that relationship with you. Help us to be able to See and to uh, and to move those relation those barriers in our life in order that we can improve that that daily relationship with us that you that, that you want and that you desire <clears throat> in order that we can enter the fullness of what you have for us in our in our everyday life in Jesus name, Amen. So, 
Um, initially, the son, Tim, uses the gift that he's been given to be able to chase love. Um, he just repeats um, uh, various episodes in his life in order to improve things and to develop a relationship. But um, towards the end of the film, the father starts to reveal some additional, um, uh, I guess, uh, advice around the gift, about how to, to use it to its fullest effect. And he, Tim gets some, some advice around the true secret behind, behind the power, and we'll look and see how that is now. <laughs> 